in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Father, we thank you. We ask you to bless this time in your word, Lord. In Jesus' name. So way back when, in 1941, in December, on December 8th, the U.S. House of Representatives handed President Franklin Roosevelt a declaration of war against the nation of Japan. Only Congress can pass a declaration of war against a nation. But there's been a declaration of war against us as humanity, which started in the garden with the deception. Sin entered in to the human race. And we'd have been at war. And we Christians are especially at war because we're fighting a two-front war. We're fighting a war against our flesh and we're at war with spiritual forces. And these spiritual forces are, are far superior to us. We have no effective physical weapon against these forces. In fact, we don't even have the ability to conceive our enemies or comprehend them. They're beyond our understanding. They're beyond our sight and beyond our understanding. Some places in the Word of God, it describes heavenly beings, but it doesn't give us a, a yellow pages of all the heavenly beings that exist, that were created. We know that there are fallen angels. One third of all the heavenly hosts fell. Who knew God, who saw God, who worshipped God, and yet rebelled against God. In the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, it says, chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. I'm hesitant because I want to go turn my volume down a little bit because it's starting to feed back. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. They're divinely powerful, equipped from beyond, effective in fighting against the unseen enemy that we have. 
for the destruction of fortresses. What is a fortress? Something that's a stronghold, something that's prepared to defend itself against an attack, something that's fortified. If you know anything about the the castles and the walls of old, there's all sorts of things they did to fortify their walls against attacks and then a new form of attack was devised and then they had to devise a way to defi- It was just a battle that went back and forth. But the strongholds were that gave protection to people and defended things. But these weapons that we have are powerful for the destruction of these fortresses. And these fortresses that Paul's speaking about here are in the spiritual realm. They're strongholds of an enemy that we can't see, of a fortress that we have no idea of its makeup. But yet, we have the ability to fight it. We are destroying speculations. And speculation is an interesting word. It's a, it's a, a speculation is a, a word that, that people wrestle in their mind and come up with a solution. Like a jury would wrestle with all the facts to come up with whether this person is guilty or innocent. They're arriving at, at this thing, that, and that's what the speculations are. And every lofty thing that raised itself against the knowledge of God, they're clever. Our enemies are clever. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So by being a Christian, by being in God's word, We're taking thoughts captive so that the enemy doesn't enter into our mind and confuse us and have us thinking speculations that would argue against God. For we we have a set of mathematical formulas. We as a Christian have a set of mathematical formulas and we do it and we come up with this number. The unregenerated man has all these figures and they come up with a completely different bottom line than we come up with. There is no God. We come up with God as the ruler of the universe. He holds a span. He holds a, the universe in the span of his hands. There is no God. Man is supreme. That's how they add up their column. Because they don't have the facts. They have speculations. And they have deception. When we look at the Old Testament. And there's a couple of examples I'd like to bring forth of evidence is the spiritual realm. The first one I'd like to bring up is in Daniel chapter 10, verses 10 through 13. Then behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. As said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understanding the words that I'm about to tell you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel. For from the first day you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. This is an event that happened in the spiritual realm. This is a being so powerful 
that Daniel trembled. That when Daniel was called to stand up and when he stood up, his knees were knocking. He was so overpowered by this being, but this being yet was harassed for 21 days and was unable to escape without another angelic force coming in, fighting against him. This is the spiritual forces that we contend with. But we can't see them. How difficult is to fight against something that you can't see? You can't hear them. And also in the epistle of Jude, in the ninth verse, But Mike, check. Hello? But Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. So this same Michael, who defeated the princes of Persia, was faced with the enemy, the devil, but he didn't rebuke him. He said, the Lord rebuke you. And Peter, in 1 Peter 5, 8, writes us a cautionary tale. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a hungry lion, seeking someone to devour. I don't know, I, if anyone's like me, I like to watch nature things. and My wife laughs at me, but I like to watch nature things. And Have you ever seen these big cats? When they get on you, forget it. You're, you're, they are fast, they are powerful, they are stealthy, they just, they get you. And that is an amazing thing. He compares the, our enemy to a lion. Stealthy, quiet, able to leap, pounce. We're told to resist him. Be sober. Be vigilant. Be aware. Be alert and know what he's doing. Recognizing the enemy's schemes. But just as God uses people in his kingdom to facilitate his plan, so does the enemy. In Romans 7, you know, you ever heard Oh, there's no fruit in their life. There's no fruit in their life. There's no fruit in their life. There's always fruit in people's lives. It's just what kind of fruit. Christ says, you'll know a tree by its fruit. In Romans 7, it says, Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ so that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions, which were aroused by the law, were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. So there's fruit for life and fruit for death. 
And there are people out there bearing a lot of fruit for death. You see in our society, and I think that there's a, a sense of hopelessness along, among a lot of us that our society is crumbling before our very eyes and there's nothing we can say or do about it. It seems to be an edict every day. There's some new nonsense coming at us, some, some new revelation of, of complete absurdity, lawlessness abounding, and decent people are being arrested and prosecuted. It is absolutely absurd. And we feel like we're losing. But don't equate what's going on in our nation with God's kingdom losing. Because God's kingdom is not going to lose. Does not lose. It cannot lose. So we lose heart. But we have to remember that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That a lot of these people you see are in fact agents of the darker side of the spiritual world. The spirituality isn't always good. I think we've come to think in the, in the church that, oh, spiritualism's good. Well, there's a whole dark side of spiritualism. These dark spirits that hampered the messenger from coming to Daniel, they weren't on the good side. The enemy who heads up this whole corral is contending for the body of Moses. He's not on the good spiritual side of things. So all spiritual things are not good. There's spiritual light and there's spiritual darkness. And Paul's telling us here to put on the armor that we will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And I listed some of the tactics of the devil. And I think that nowadays they're really, really apparent. And all of us, there's not one of us who can't raise our hand and said, I've doubted God at times. I, I've wondered, God, are, are you there? We've all doubted God. We've all questioned whether or not he's there. We have situations and circumstances in our life. It's, it's like, don't you see what's happening? How can you turn an eye to this? Can't you see this? We have this little child who's, can you see that, Lord? And then the enemy rushes in and whispers to us to bring that doubt, to bring this hopelessness, to take us out of our peace and our joy and all the things that Christ brought to us. But remember, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Because if we walk by sight, yeah, give it, hang it up. It's, it's a losing battle. I can't imagine what it was like for True believers in Nazi Germany or in Pol Pox Cambodia or, or in China or the ones that are in North Korea now or Iran. Those are believers that any day they, it could be over. So we can't walk by sight. We have to walk by faith. And some of the tactics that the enemy uses, and I have a whole list. Maybe you could relate to some of these. He uses fear. And in our society, a lot of times, he uses intimidation. They have silenced the church with intimidation. They've told us that we can operate within our four walls. That's fine. Just don't, 
Just don't come out there with that stuff. Doubt. The enemy brings doubt. Doubt God's existence to doubt his word. His love. His faithfulness. His power. His grace. His character. His credibility. And the list goes on. Those little seeds of doubt that come in, that's what we're supposed to cast down. We're supposed to cast down those speculations before they, like a, like a little seedling, take root and start growing. This persecution of men, persecution by men, this mockery, cursing, abusive language. This is a good one nowadays. Exclusion. The cancel culture. I didn't get the shot, so I, I couldn't do my career anymore. I had to not work anymore. Because they have to have the shot to work in the career that I was in. I was excluded. Another one that the enemy likes to use, especially with the younger, is comparison. Shame, silencing, false doctrine, false teachers that create confusion, that cause you to doubt the purposes and the calling of God himself. With the high school and grade school kids, it was is peer pressure. With us older folks, it's frustration. These take us, these are attacks and assaults on us. They take us out of God's peace. They hinder our service to him. And sadly, one that I think is evident in a lot of churches is gossip. A little story starts and then it, so somebody's totally excluded because somebody gossiped about them. And they might know a fraction of the story. And by the time it gets through 20 people, it's become this, this thing. It causes division. Friction and factions. Another attack on us is self-reliance. The self, the rich young ruler, he had everything he needed. He was self-reliant. He didn't need anything. It promotes a, I got this. I can cover that. It really promotes a poor prayer life because... When you're poor, you're on your knees to God asking for your bare essentials. Well, when you're wealthy, you can buy them. Pride. Envy. Unteachability, I call it. Know-it-allism. Somebody who, no, no, I know, I got that. I know that. I know that. And they won't ever hear it because they know it. And a lot of times we're like that. A lot of times we understand a part of scripture and we read over it, we read over it, read over it, and then we hear some expository message on it like, wow, I must have read that 50 times. I never saw that in there because we glaze over it because we think, oh, I got that part of it. I know it. And a big thing in our society nowadays, dishonesty. 
These people stand up on TV and say things. It's a flat-out lie. Everyone sees that it's a lie. The people stand in, in front of a burning building saying there's a peaceful protest. It's, there's a building burning behind you. Turn around. Complete dishonesty. Lying. Compromising. How many of us have compromised There are times when we should have said something, should have stopped something, but we compromised. Hypocrisy. People living in sin, but pretending to be holy. People coming to church and wish that they could get it off their chest, but they're too proud to get it off their chest, so they sit there week after week after week. A lot of us have the worldly influence, the keeping up with the Joneses, the affluence and materialism, the self-indulgence and self-satisfaction. Comes some sort of the same thing. I don't really need God. I got it covered. I'm driving a $80,000 car. I got a this. I got a that. I live in a $4.1 million house. So hard is it for a rich man to go into the kingdom of heaven because he didn't see the the need for God, immorality. This list can go on and on. It's a bit overwhelming. In fact, it's exhausting. But the good news is that God doesn't leave us to our own devices to battle this unseen, overpowering foe that we face. It says, be strong in the Lord. And the power of his might. We need to be prepared for the battle that we face day by day. By putting on God's armor. It's not an armor we have to devise. It's an armor that's been prepared for us. It's a system by which mankind can stand up against the wiles of the dark forces of darkness. And Paul writes... And basically, I think that a lot of people feel that he saw the Roman soldiers and saw how they were dressed and how each one of their pieces that they wore on them was essential for battle. And the Lord used that and gave him a metaphor to, to describe the spiritual armor that we could wear. He says, having girded your loins with truth. God's revelatory word. We need to study it. We need to meditate on it. We need to be in it daily. It's not a, this armor's not for special times. This armor's on a daily basis. Because you never know when you're going to get coal cocked out of the out of the clear blue by some spiritual warfare that's coming upon you. But being in God's word is his truth. It is the only thing in this world that is, in fact, true, is his truth, his word. And your loins are a very vulnerable area. And we, we gird ourselves with the truth. It says to put on the breastplate, which protects all the vitals here, of righteousness. It's not any righteousness that we have. 
It's Christ's righteousness. Our job is to avoid getting entangled in sin that takes that righteousness away from us. It's not about us losing our salvation. It's about losing this breastplate that we have. And it gives the enemy access. Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's Christ's peace available to us through our identity in him. And it, no soldier, no sports athlete can go and do anything if they don't have sure footing. And you watch it. Those old football games they used to have in the 60s where it was a total mud field and everyone was slip sliding and falling all over the place and very few people could get traction in it. Perhaps maybe Gail Sears. He was absolutely amazing. But it's hard to move left or right when you have no traction. It's hard to jump when you have no traction. Now having your feet shod with the preparation of gospel of peace couples you to the ground where you can stand firm. You can't stand firm if you're on ice, it's tenuous at best. Anyone who's ever gone ice skating and not had really good skills at it, you know that it's, you think you're doing good and then right on your butt. Taking up the shield of faith, which would you be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one? And now a whole list that I read previously were all flaming arrows. They're all delivered, 90% of them, by man. People gossip. People exclude. People do things. These are fiery darts that come at us. The, a lot of times before they went into battle, the Roman soldiers, their, their shields were metal, and they'd have animal coverings, animal skins on them. And they would take the skins and they would dip it in water so that if they shot flaming arrows, they wouldn't catch the skin on the, the shield on fire. If we look at the the water represents the word of God, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So you're picking up the shield of faith. You can only have that if you're in God's word. You have this intuitive knowledge that God is on his throne. You're one of his children, and he's going to fight for you. He's going to stand up for you. You're not alone in this battle. You know, the, the, the Romans had this wonderful formation they call the phalanx where the men in front would put their shield one way and the men in the middle would put their shield up and the men on the side would do it in the side and nothing could get through and they just advanced and enemies would be shooting rocks and arrows at them and they just kept coming because they couldn't penetrate the phalanx. And that's what a body of believers is. We cover each other. We're not gossiping. We're not opening our shield. We're not throwing our shield down. We're not tripping our fellows. We're in unity, unity of the Spirit, especially in these days. We don't know what's coming at us. And if you, if you heard Pastor's teaching on, on Pastor Brunson, what he went through in Turkey under his persecution, and he thought he was ready for it. He was a missionary in Turkey for many years, and he thought he was tough and ready for it. He went to two years in Turkish prison, and the first year he realized he wasn't equipped for anything. And how, how much less is of softy Americans who decide, oh, no, it's a little windy, I'm not going to go to church today. How much less are we equipped to stand up what's, what could be coming our way? I don't know for sure anything's coming our way, but you can tell by what's happening, stuff's coming our way. 
And I don't think the church has been going through a lot of persecution because I think we've been going along with the world. But when the church finally takes a stand and goes, no, we're, no, we're not doing anymore. We're not closing our doors for your bug and we're not doing this. Then it's going to come. I don't know if you know who Jack Hibbs is, but he recently made a declaration in a stand. He's not budging. He's done. He is sick and tired of abortion, and he's drawn the line. He said, I don't care what goes on in the world, Ukraine, whatever. I'm only interested in this. We have to stop the slaughter of these babies. That's not going to sit well in California with Gavin Newsom. You have to understand one thing. Abortion is a multi-billion dollar industry. There are people getting very, very wealthy on abortion. Jack Hibbs has taken a stand. His church and he's going, they're going to come under a lot of persecution. They're going off of YouTube, the, the, whole, the whole thing that we talk about, exclusionary and all that. But it's going to get a lot deeper than that. It'll be tax things. It'll be, you know, police patrolling their parking lots and gives you tickets. Who knows what they'll do? But Gavin Newsom's a very dangerous man. A very lawless man. So we need that shield of faith. We need the shield of faith because we have to believe God's word is more real than what we see on the news. Because I don't know, Leslie likes to watch the news. I do not like to watch the news. I watch 10 minutes of it and I'm like overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. I, don't, I, I can't use any other words than that. I'm completely overwhelmed by it and it, it causes hopelessness in me and I have to dig into God's word where the hope is that regardless of what happens as Pastor Andrew Brunson did in his messages if you haven't seen it it's available on YouTube it's very powerful he says the first year it was, it was declined for him the second year it was up for him God had to break him before he built him up. And now his faith is like, wow. I think he could walk through anything. And many of us think we could walk through things, but really if we're faced with it, I mean, how many people are going to just bow down and say it's not worth all that? But the kingdom of God is worth everything. And you look at the ones who they led into the Roman Colosseum. You know, it was a simple thing they had in Rome. They set up like a like a DUI roadblock, but it was a worship Caesar roadblock. They have a little fire going and have a little bowl of incense. And you had to take a little pinch of incense. You had to drop it in the fire and go, hail Caesar. And on you went on your way. If you didn't do that, you were arrested. And people lost their lives for not taking that little pinch and dropping it in the fire and declaring that Caesar is God. That's amazing faith. That's, that's an amazing testimony. Hopefully it doesn't come like that for us. But that's what the people down the line, and then Pastor Brunson's story, he said he, he was talking to his mom 
when he's in prison, he's telling him all the hardship. And she told him, yeah, you're, you're suffering. You're in that long line of Christians who many have given their lives, and you're suffering. And you can look to them for your inspiration, but remember, somebody's going to look to you for your inspiration. And it's like, wow, that's really, <laughs> that's really powerful. It says, take the helmet of salvation, protecting your mind. There's a process of sanctification going on for us believers. We, our job is to renew our mind, to stay in the word, to stay in faith, to put on this armor. You can't just sit there and say, God, cover me, God, cover me. We have, there's things we need to do to be part of that process. And the sword of the spirit. The sword is an interesting thing because the shield also, but the sword is an offensive and a defensive weapon. This book that we have is eternal. Jesus defeated the enemy with words from this book. His truth. He spoke the truth. So when you get something that's a little offhanded, you need to know what's in this book so you can say, no, that's not right. This is what it says. This is true. This is real. That's hearsay. Those are speculations out there, no matter how well they're put together, no matter how crafty they are. Think about Charles Darwin went and came up with this theory that some amino acids fell to earth and spawned this little cellular creature and it grew some legs and so others grew wings, and that's it. That's what we got here. And everyone said, oh, man, that's, that's so insightful. That's brilliant. And it became a thing. It's what's taught in our school. Kick God out of school, and, and they teach evolution. It's a theory of evolution. It's not a law. It's a theory. It's a speculation. It's well-crafted. But as science advances, it literally is disproving Darwinism. The more and more macrobiologists peer deeper into the human cellular structure, it just disproves this ridiculous theory that somehow a sperm whale and a butterfly came out of this amino acid and the human eye and, and recumbent DNA. And it's just it's absurd. But yet there was those clinging on to it. And the most powerful weapon that I think we have with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. Now, many times we hear in, in our society or in our churches even, nothing left to do but pray. Well, that's not the last thing you do. That's the first thing you do. It's mighty for tearing down strongholds, destroying evil speculations. This is the first and foremost thing we should do. If you're not a prayer warrior, become a prayer warrior. Speak those words out. How many times have people said, I don't know what God's will is for me. I'm going to tell you what God's will is for you. 
because it's written right in this book. And it's found in the letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, the first letter, verses 17 through 18. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So you want to know what God's will is for your life? Pray without ceasing. You know, the beautiful promise and my life scripture is found in the book of Philippians, fourth chapter, verse six and seven. It's a wonderful promise. I didn't know that by picking up my life scripture that it was going to take me a lifetime to learn how to do it. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, how many of us today would like to have the peace of God in the midst of this wicked and perverse generation that we live in, this dry and weary land that once the pilgrims came here and dedicated this land to God, but like the churches in the book of Revelation, we wandered off. We lost our first love. Now we don't know who's a male or a female, and we think that men can have babies. And uh, it's, I don't think there's ever been a time in history where it's been so ridiculous. There have been harder times in history, yeah. I'm sure living during the bubonic plague was not a fun time at all. But there weren't people saying, well, men can have babies. That's absurdity. That's, that's lofty speculations beyond anybody's understanding. The beautiful thing is that God has equipped us to deal with these entities, but we have to do our part. We have to be in his word. We have to be in fellowship. We have to not be selfish, self-centered people. We have to reach out when we see people in need. And all these things break us out of our comfort zone. But, you know, I haven't read the entire Bible page by page and analyzed everything, but I, I don't see anywhere in it that it promises a comfort zone to anybody except in the end. When we get there in the end, then you're going to have comfort. Then you're going to have fairness. Then you're going to have rule of law. Well, until then, it's not going to happen. So let's all just join together in our, our fellowship. Pray for one another. Love one another. Be in the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. Because these times outside, I don't, I don't know what to say about the times outside. We all look forward to November like somehow new elected officials are going to come in and whew, it's all going to be over. Don't. No, our hope doesn't come from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Our hope and trust is in the Lord God Almighty who rule and reigns in the heavens least. Father, we thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you for your word, Lord, and your truth in your word, Lord. I ask you to bless everybody here, Lord, and those who couldn't be here tonight, Lord. 
Meet us where we're at. We lift up that little baby once again to you, Lord. Intervene in that life, Lord. It's crying out for life in a world that's taking life away, Lord. Thank you for Calvary Chapel Greenville, Lord. We lift Kathy up to you that you would heal her lungs, Lord, and make, give her a strong immune system and anyone else that's sick among us, Lord. Strengthen their immune system, Lord. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I-